as Aaron said, I am Bill Wilkinson, and uh, I always let people know right up front, I'm a sinner saved by God's amazing grace. Any other sinners out there saved by God's grace? Give a shout out. Um, it's, a, it's an honor to be here, and I, I always tell you that I always pray that God would give me the message to share, but also that he would bring the people and put the bottoms in the seats that he wants to hear that message. So I trust that God has something uh, for you this morning for all of us. Um, how many, I, I gotta ask you real quick, how many of you would like to see a match race between Aaron and Skip? Match race, one-on-one, -on -one, Aaron and Skip. Raise your hand, anybody? All right, okay, I'll talk about that at the end. So hang on to the end, the sermon, we're gonna talk about that. Um, but today I'm gonna talk about trouble and trouble with a capital T. And it's interesting in the Bible, when you look in the Bible, you know there's two times where God talks in the Bible and he says, you are gonna have trouble. Let me read the first one to you. 1 Corinthians seven twenty-eight. Yet those who marry will have worldly troubles. And I would spare you that. I'm just a messenger. How many of you are married? Raise your hand. Okay, raise your hand high, look around. I want you to see all the married people, okay? Now put your hand down. Now, let's test God's word in this. If you have never, if you're a married person and you've never had any trouble in your marriage at all, I want you to raise your hand. I'm just saying God's word. See, we get married and we have trouble and we think, oh man, I married the wrong person. You didn't marry the wrong person. God said, if you marry, you will have worldly trouble, right? That's what you should expect. And why do you have trouble? Because what's a marriage? You get two what together? Sinners. Two selfish sinners, one of whom always wants to make sure that the dishes are put in the dishwasher the correct way, the OCD people. When's the other time you're gonna have trouble? John 16, says, I've said these things to you, that in me you may have peace, in the world you will have tribulation or trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. And that's Jesus telling us that we are gonna have trouble. Now, we hear that and we think, you know, not, not so much in the US, we don't face a lot of persecution and a lot of trouble. It's getting there, isn't it? It's get things are changing and it's getting there. But you go to places like uh, Jordan where you can be put to death for preaching the gospel. I just heard the day before yesterday on WCRF, 50,000 Christians are in concentration camps in North Korea, 50,000. And in North Korea, they will kill you for being a Christian in front of your family in ways that I heard, but I will not even mention to you because it gave me such a horrible picture in my mind. The trouble's out there. You know, I was talking to my wife about trouble as a Christian, and she talked about when, um, as, as a young Christian, she went to a comedy club. Everybody ever been to a comedy club? She said one of the most embarrassing moments of her life as a Christian, she said, the comedian came up on stage and said, first thing he says, are there any Christians in the audience? And Susan said, I was afraid to raise my hand. 
Because she knew if she raised her hand, guess who was going to have a target on them for the rest of the comedy show? And Susan does not like to be the center of attention, those of you that know her. So we're not dealing with a lot of trouble, like deathly trouble here where we live, but it's out there and things are changing. And that's what I want to talk about today because Daniel, in the first chapter of Daniel, Daniel and his buddies, who we know as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they ran into some trouble because Nebuchadnezzar, who was the king of Babylon, says he came down to Jerusalem and besieged it. That's a fun word, besieged it. He basically took over. But what's interesting, it says the Lord gave Jehoiakim, the king of Judah, into Nebuchadnezzar's hand. The Lord gave him into his hand. God played a part in that. And it said he took him and some of the vessels of the house of, the, of God and he took them back to his land. Now here's what's interesting. Nebuchadnezzar told his head guys, he said, I want you to bring some of the people from Israel back. And I can go through this whole list that he, that he made, but basically he said, bring all the young, smart, good-looking people back. Now, some of you are sitting there going, well, I wonder if he would have picked me. I don't know. But he takes all the young, good-looking people back. And once they get them back to Nebuchadnezzar's land, they began to pressure them because they basically wanted them to give up their Jewish identity. And one of the ways they did that, they wanted them to violate the Jewish food laws. So the king said, he's going to assign a daily portion of his food, the same food that the king eats, to these people to eat. And he's also going to give them his wine to drink. And it's interesting because they've got these Jewish laws, but now they're in a different land. And the laws have changed in the land, right? But God hasn't changed, has he? The same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And it's interesting because I read that and I thought, that's kind of like today, isn't it? Because the laws are changing. Our laws are very different than they were 50, 60, 70 years ago. Many of our laws are different than they were a year ago. The fact that you can go into some states and abort a baby moments before it is born is sickening to me. Absolutely sickening but our laws have changed, but our God hasn't changed. But what's interesting is the same thing that was going on back in Daniel's day is the same thing that's going on now because people are pressuring you to say, you need to give up your Christian heritage. That's old stuff. That doesn't apply today. You need to change as a Christian. But they may have changed the laws, but God hasn't changed. And it's interesting with Daniel because Daniel... In Daniel 1.8, it says, Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or the wine that he drank. Now realize in Daniel doing this, he can be put to death. He's defying the king. But it's interesting that Daniel was willing to do this, willing to go to this point to stand for his faith. And I thought, boy, Daniel, man, he had a solid foundation. He had a foundation of faith in his God that was put together long before he got to the point of having to make this decision. 
You know, it's like building a house. You put the foundation down first. You don't wait until the storm and the trouble comes. But he was facing death because of this. And he knew where to draw the lines because of his faith, that line of no compromise. Because today, folks, that's what people want you to do with your faith. They want you to compromise your faith. I listened to a pastor up in the Yukon recently and he was talking about a building called, you may have heard of it, it's called the Burj Khalifa. It's in Dubai. It's the tallest building in the world, over 2,700 feet tall. And it's designed to withstand heavy winds and storms and there's a lot of uh, seismic activity and the soil's very poor in Dubai where it's at. But it's interesting because what he talked about is the foundation that was needed for this building and how they had to, when they put this building together, they had to do 192 different pilings into the ground of concrete and steel. And those pilings went down 164 feet deep to hold up this building, to give it strength. And it struck me as I was hearing about that that the bigger the storm you face and the winds that you face that are gonna ravage you, the stronger the foundation has to be. That's the same way for us as Christians. And the higher you wanna go, that building 2000, that's, that, that's huge. Imagine going up the stairs in your house 270 times. That's what that building's like. But the higher you wanna go, the stronger that foundation has to be. And for us as Christians in this time when people are saying, you know, you need to change, you need to compromise, this is a time where, you know, we need to look at our foundation. And that foundation is Jesus. You know, I love that song, on Christ the solid rock I stand, while other ground is sinking sand. Jesus is the foundation for our faith. You know, I often wondered how people could be tortured and even killed for their faith. And as a, as a very young Christian, and I was a very lukewarm young Christian, and I've shared some of those stories before, but I've often wondered when people are being tortured or when they say, I'm going to kill you if you don't give up your faith, why don't the people just say, okay, I give up my faith? And the guards go, okay, you can go. And they go over and they they walk out and they get outside and they go, I was just kidding. I'm still a Christian. Because they could do that, couldn't they? But you know, the older I get and the firmer my foundation gets on Jesus, the more I understand those people who are willing to go to their death for their faith. Jesus has to be your foundation. And Jesus gives us things to help us along this way, his word, God's word. You've talked about this before in Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the dividing of soul and spirit, both joints and marrow, discerning the thoughts and intents of the heart. You want to know how powerful God's word is? When Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, what did he respond with? God's word. He quoted scripture to the devil. 
That gives me chills just thinking about that. Prayer. Another tool that Jesus gives us to deal with. In James 5, it says, the prayer of a righteous man has great power as it is working. Great power. Isn't it amazing that we have a God, we have a creator of the universe who says, I want you to pray to me. I want to hear your thoughts. I want to hear your needs. I want to hear your hurts. I want to hear your pains. And not only does he listen to us, but he responds to us. He answers our prayers. Anybody in here ever had a prayer answered? Raise your hand. Amen. And you know, we have something that they didn't have in the old days. We have the Holy Spirit of God that comes and dwells in us and brings power. Jesus told the disciples, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. We don't always feel very powerful, do we? But we receive power from the Holy Spirit. And people go, well, you know, that was 2,000 years ago. You know what? The same Holy Spirit that went to the disciples is the same Holy Spirit that comes to you and comes to me. The exact same Holy Spirit. He hasn't changed. And he's in you and he's in me and he's working in our lives. That's exciting. And when you have that, when you have that foundation of Jesus, you, know, you can battle the fears in your life and the struggles in your life and the addictions and the storms that come at you. And when you've got that solid foundation, what happens is all these things in your life, you have victory over them. You don't become a victim of them. You have victory in Jesus. Daniel, let's get back to Daniel for a second. Daniel, back to this food thing, he said, I don't want to defile myself. So he went to the chief of the eunuchs and asked him to not defile himself. It says in Daniel 1.9, God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the chief eunuchs. Do you see what's happening there? God gave Daniel favor. God was the one working in the heart and the mind of the person that was in charge. Remember another story we talked about months back about Joseph? And every time Joseph went somewhere and he was in prison and all these things he went through, but God granted him favor. God was working in the people who were over him. Even though they weren't believers, they weren't Jews, he does that for you too. He goes before you. So Daniel comes back and he says to him in verse 12, he says, we don't want to eat that food, but he says, test your servant for 10 days. Now this is where some of you are going to get a little grumbly. He says, let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. Now, I know there's a lot of red meat eaters out there, and I'm not trying to push any agenda here. I am not a vegetarian. I'm just the messenger. But Daniel said, you, you give us vegetables and water, and you give the other guys the king's food, and let's see what happens. And 10 days later, they came back, and Daniel and his buddies, they were looking a lot better off than the guys who had eaten the king's food. Pretty amazing. But Daniel wasn't afraid to stand up. And he had the courage to take a stand because he had a firm foundation. 
And it would have been much easier for Daniel to say, oh, you know what? Well, God brought us here to this land and we got this food and we probably should eat it. But Daniel said, no compromise. This is God's way. I'm in a different land. This is still God's way. The other thing that Daniel had with these guys is they had strong godly relationships. And I love Ecclesiastics uh, 4.12 says, though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not easily broken. You know, these guys you'll see later in Daniel, these guys went ready for their death, ready to face whatever was gonna be brought at them because they stood for God's principles. And they had faith that God could deliver them if he wanted to. They knew that. See, being a Christian is not an individual sport. It's a team sport. We need each other. We need brothers and sisters around us. You need relationships. So in those times when you're down, those times when you're struggling, and you get down, and you're depressed, and you got all kinds of issues going on in your life. And you just say, you know what? God just put me on my back. And there's gonna be times when you're like this. Not on the stage, but, but you know what happens? When there's times when you're down, God can send brothers and sisters into your life that are gonna give you a hand up. He can get people up right out of the audience who will come and give you a hand up. Any minute now, God's gonna do that. <laughs> Thank you. Some of you are back there going, it's a miracle. <laughs> but that's what, that's what being a Christian is about, that when you're down, there are people who will come up and give, not point at you and say, look what happened to you. They're gonna come and they're gonna give you a hand up. That's what being a Christian is all about. Daniel 1.17 says, these four youths gave their learning and God gave them learning and skill in all literature and wisdom and Daniel had understanding in all visions. These guys had, had one attribute that I love and that is they trusted God completely even to their death if necessary. They trusted God to meet all the needs in their life. Even if it meant saving them from death, they were gonna trust. They had that firm foundation. They trusted God to meet their needs. I wanna talk about Facebook for a second because Facebook is one of those things that you, know, so you can use for good or for evil. But I've, I've noticed a couple things on Facebook lately and I wanna share with you because the Bible is basically a, stories of people telling what God did in their life. So I wanna share with you some stories. One was Josh Funk a couple weeks ago. He's a pastor up in one of the remote villages in Alaska. And he said, we spend our lives trying to fill that need in our hearts with things of the world. That need in our hearts that only God can fill. And we all have that need in our hearts that only God can fill, but we keep going out in the world and trying to fill it in other ways. And it doesn't work. And I was amazed by Hannah Haverman, 
just this last week, put on Facebook, and I love what she did. She was, it was her last day at Starbucks, and she was talking about finishing up and what it had meant to work, to, to, uh, uh, work there and what she had learned. And Hannah used to be here, and we have some of her relatives here, but she's back in Canada now. But listen to what she said. She said, I learned that coffee might turn my mood around for a time, but if my heart isn't in the right place, I will land right where I started. Wow. That's some powerful wisdom from a young lady, isn't it? Coffee might turn my mood around. And for some of it's coffee, for some of it's coffee, for some of us it's tea, for some of us it's drugs or alcohol, whatever it is, any addiction that you have. It can be video games. It can turn your mood around. But the Bible calls that pleasure for a season. And Hannah, so why said, it'll turn your mood around. But if your heart's not in the right place, you end up right back in the same place, don't you? Listen to what she said. She said, I know this because when I decide to trust the Lord, he's able to turn my whole day into something beautiful. And I'm able to catch a glimpse of his glory. Wow, way to rocket Hannah Haveman. What a powerful statement. June 15th, I look at Facebook and there's a message from Daniel Weiser. Are you here this morning, Daniel? I didn't see him this morning. I got Daniel's permission to share this. And this is what he said. Four years in emphasis. It was their four-year anniversary for he and Chelsea. For those of you that don't know, Daniel and Chelsea are a young couple that go to the church and they usually sit over here. And they, they are just syrupy, oozing the joy of the Lord. Yeah, hallelujah for those two. Because it is just oozing out all over. And Daniel said, listen to this. He said, when I was struggling in life and making terrible decisions prior to being married, and I want to say, thank you, Daniel, for admitting that you were struggling in life and that you were making terrible decisions. Because a lot of times we come to church and we sit here and we're struggling in life, aren't we? And we're making terrible decisions. We're sitting here and we're going, man, I am the only one struggling I'm the only one making terrible decisions. Well, if you're here today and that's you, I want you to know Daniel does it too. <laughs> but the reality is we all do it, don't we? We all have struggles. The person in front of you has struggles, the person behind you, and the person on each side of you has struggles. And we've all made terrible decisions. But listen to the rest of this. His girlfriend at the time, Chelsea, said, this is not the way God created you to be. The enemy is robbing you of what the Lord has for you. And I'm like, wow, Chelsea Weiser, man, you gave him like a WWE Smackdown cartoon shovel in the face. You go, girl. And you know why I love that? Because when somebody's struggling and somebody's making bad decisions, what do we do? We go, well, well... You know, Daniel, he's struggling, making bad decisions. We need to love him. Don't judge him. We need to love him. 
Everybody needs to love him. Like everybody in the bleachers to love Daniel and all you guys across here, we're gonna love, love, love Daniel. You know? Well, you know what? Sometimes you gotta love him enough to give him a WWE smackdown with a cartoon shovel in the face. You know, the one kind that leaves the imprint when you pull the shovel away. And I'm not advocating any violence at all. What I'm advocating is don't be afraid to go to somebody and speak the truth in love to them. And that's what Chelsea did. I love that she did that. I love that she was bold in her declaration. This is not what God created you for. And you're looking at things over here off this straight and narrow path that the enemy's using things that look good, but he's robbing you of what God has for you. He said, once my girlfriend, now my wife, Chelsea, thanks for always encouraging me to be the best version of myself. You see, Chelsea knew you cannot straddle the fence. In Revelations, Jesus says, I know your works, that you're neither hot nor cold. He said, I wish you were hot or cold, but because you are lukewarm, I will spew you out of my mouth. That is one of the most frightening verses to me in the Bible. We need a rock salad foundation, people, because there is always people waiting around the corner that will try to get you to compromise your faith. There's no shortcuts. There's no shortcuts in the Christian walk, in the Christian faith. God doesn't allow shortcuts. There's no shortcuts on a straight line, is there? Let's talk about Aaron and Skip. Let's get back to that match race. Aaron versus Skip. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. You guys ever, everybody live anywhere where they used to do that on the TV commercial? Sunday, Sunday. Okay, a couple people know. Thank you for getting that. It was drag racing. Okay, but we go. We take those two doors over there. We put Aaron and Skip over there. You gotta have a hand on the door, a foot on the door, and we're gonna have a match race. And we're going to take Aaron and Skip, and we're going to race them right in front of the bleachers. And we're going to race them over to those doors, right? Now, seriously, you guys look at me. How many of you would pay big money for a ticket to watch that match race? Come on, raise your hand. Okay, a couple people. I'm looking for a fundraiser here. (laughs) But imagine I go over there, and I'm going to start this race. And Skip, Skip looks at me. And I'll do my best skip impression because he always gets on the edge of the stage. He goes, you know, Bill, I know, I know Aaron is probably a little bit faster because uh, Aaron's got longer legs than me and he's got that puffy vest and that makes him really aerodynamic. So I know Aaron's, Aaron's probably a little bit faster, but you know what, Bill? I know a shortcut. And I'm gonna look at him and go, skip. You're going from that door to that door. It's a straight line. There's no shortcut. And that's the way it is in God's plan, in God's kingdom. He doesn't have shortcuts. I've shared this verse with you before. You know, it's, it's, it's one of my favorite verses. It's meant so much to me. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And when I've talked about it before, I've usually talked about this first three quarters of the verse. 
Because for me, that was my struggle, trust in the Lord with all my heart. And I've shared with you some of that before. But this week, as I was looking at this verse, God just kind of went, because I looked at the end of that verse. And I used to look at the end of that verse and said, he will make your path straight. And I originally learned that verse in a different version. And it always reminded me of, you guys know that little picture that has the beach and the footprints in the sand? You know, you know what I'm talking about? It says, you know, the two footprints are Jesus when he was walking with me. And, and then I see one set of footprints. I go, oh, Jesus, where were you in times of trouble? There's only one set of footprints. And Jesus says, well, that's where I carried you, right? That's a great, that's a great, uh, whatever it is, painting for it. It's, it's great. I love it. But that's not what this is talking about. This says, he will make your path straight. It's not saying, I'm gonna walk with you on the path and I'm gonna carry you through the times of trouble. He says, he will make your path straight. That means for him to make your path straight, he has to be going before you, right? I mean, it's like Jesus has got a big old caterpillar bulldozer and he's going, hey, follow me. Fire that big diesel engine up, boom, 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 boom push those levers forward and he's knocking over everything. He's filling in the holes and he's knocking over all the things for you to stumble on. Wow. He will make your path straight when you trust him with all your heart. I love that. Wow. People, follow the one who can make your path straight. He's gonna get you where you need to be. Today, in the future, and in eternity. And he says he has a plan for you, and that plan involves a hope in a future. Man, that ought to get you excited. The creator of the universe is gonna create a straight path for me, and there's a hope in a future down that path. And there's gonna be people trying to drag you to the side, trying to get you to compromise. The enemy's gonna be there going, I got something better. But remember what Chelsea Weiser said. That's not who God created you to be. He's robbing you of something better. I wanna stop for a minute here now. And I just, you know, there may be somebody here today that just, you're, you're hearing all this and you're saying, you know what? I've never really trusted Jesus in my life. And I wanna stop for a minute. I just wanna ask everybody to bow your heads and don't bother anybody around you. Let God speak to people. But if you're here today and you've never trusted Jesus, know that he came to this earth to reunite man and God because sin had separated us. The Bible says we've all sinned, fall short of the glory of God. And he came and lived a perfect life and put himself on the cross to reunite man and God. And if you're here today and you've never made that decision, I just want to say this prayer and just repeat it to yourself. You don't have to say it out loud. God knows your heart. Just bow your heads and let's honor God here. But if this is a desire of your heart, just repeat this prayer to yourself. Father in heaven, I realize today that I am a sinner but I thank you 
that you sent your son Jesus to die on that cross for me. And today, I accept that free gift of salvation in Jesus. And I want to ask you to come into my life and to change my life and to help me through the storms and the struggles of my life so that I can have victory over them and not be a victim of them. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. People, if you prayed that prayer, if there's one person here today that prayed that prayer, says the angels in heaven are rejoicing. Isn't that an incredible thought? Somebody here in Homer, Alaska made a decision and the angels in heaven are rejoicing. What an incredible thought. I love that. People, as we finish, I just want to challenge you. Have that firm foundation. On Christ, the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. We need to trust him for everything. If you want to be the one that doesn't compromise, today is the day to lay down the foundation, not when the trouble comes. So I want to just say as, as the worship team comes up, as they get ready to play, if, if you want to come up, as Aaron said a couple weeks, if you want to come up to the stage, if you want to stand up here, if you want to come up and say, Lord, I'm giving it all to you. I want you to be my firm foundation. If you have struggles that you're struggling with and you want to come forward, feel free to do that. You can stand, you can kneel. There are going to be elders back in the corner where the start of the race is. And if you'd like somebody to pray for you, you go up and just say, I need you to pray for me. You don't have to give them all the gory details. Just say, hey, I need your prayers. And we have communion. If you'd like to worship God in communion, there's communion tables set throughout the room. We worship him in our giving and we worship him in our singing. Thank you for being here this morning. I trust that God had something for every person here this morning. I got to come over and I got to give a high five to mighty Joshua that stepped in there. Way to rock it, brother. Thank you, guys. Do you guys appreciate our worship teams? I tell these guys, there's so many weeks when I'm on Wednesday and Thursday and I've got a song in my mind. And it's a song that they sang on Sunday. What a blessing these people are. Thank you for ministering to us, all of you that do that. People, the times are changing. The times, they are changing, aren't they? And we need that firm foundation. People are going to expect you to be the one that compromises. But when you set your foundation on the rock that is Jesus, you can withstand all the storms that come your way. And you can be like Daniel and draw that line in the sand and say, no, I'm not going to be the one to compromise my faith. Turn your eyes upon Jesus and stand on that solid rock. I challenge you today. People, we don't uh, officially close up till 1230. So take this time to have some fellowship and encourage somebody. Come along a brother or sister. And if you'd like to help clean up and pick up some chairs and do that, uh, that would be a great help to our team. Thank you for being here. God bless you.
And just remember, on Christ's solid rock, we stand.